All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golick. Mike Golick Jr., Mike Golick Sr., Jesse Cofield holding it down for us in the DraftKings studio in Boston. We're brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order when you use promo code GOJO15. We got a great show for you. As always, download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a five-star rating. Check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel, Samsung TV+, Roku, DraftKingsNetwork.com, all live, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. Thank you to everybody who threw us up there in your Spotify year-end wraps on the podcast yesterday. Yeah. Always love to see that. Appreciate everybody who listened and checked that out. More goodies for you today. We've got Jason Fitz, our good friend from Yahoo Sports, stopping by as we're going to do the NFL Playoff Committee rankings coming up in the second hour. And then the Hall of Famer, Emmett Smith, the guy who my dad personally had to see, I'm sure, way more than he would actually like to, given how good Emmett Smith was at football. I'm trying to figure out if the pain of, of, of tackling Emmett Smith, which I played against him uh, the, at that running back position more than any other player that I played against in the NFL. We've become very good friends. That's such a good dude. I can't decide if that was more painful or the kidney stone that I have right now. I, I, I'm... Uh. I'm amazed. Oh, no. Okay, this is, a, this is the second time I've had a kidney stone. I had one in the early 90s where my wife had to drive me to the emergency room as I was doubled over in the back of the, uh, of the car. And I had that feeling again yesterday and went to the emergency room. And sure enough, I have a kidney stone. So if you see me leave the screen, that's because I'm trying to, to pass said kidney stone. And you may hear a scream out of me when I do. But I'm amazed at, at surgeries and pain in football and all that, and nothing matches. And for those out there who have had a kidney stone, and I know, Jesse, you have, because I'm going to get to you in a second about that. It is one of the most constant painful things I have ever experienced. And I was sprinting by the time I decided I had to go to the emergency room. I was sprinting there to get through all the rigmarole to get into a room to get drugs in me to stop the pain. Because I remembered from 30 years ago how the pain stopped and I knew that was going to happen here. And I'll never forget after. So we go through everything and and it's fine. You know, I just have to pass the, the stone, which is always an interesting thing. Yeah, just, but I remember the just doctor have to shoot the stone out of my yeah. pee hole. Everything's fine. Totally exactly, normal. exactly. Yeah. See, see how loud the scream is. So it was a it was a male doctor who was dealing with me in the emergency room, and he comes in. and He says, you know, the the size of it. You know, we concerned if it's five or six millimeters. Yours was three. Blah 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 blah. I said, yeah. I said, talking about the pain. He said, yeah. They say it's worse than childbirth. I said, dude. I said, we have no right to comment on that, okay? That's something I would never say publicly, and we as men cannot comment on that. We would have to go to a woman who has passed a kidney stone and given birth, and we happen to have one right here in Jesse. So, Jesse, answer the age-old question that guys seem to like to say that passing a kidney stone is worse than childbirth. You've done both. Which is worse? Yeah, childbirth is worse, and I got an epidural for childbirth. 
So I didn't even get to the peak amount of pain that you can feel during childbirth. I got like a little bit of the way there and was like, numb me from the waist down. Nobody's getting yeah. numbed from the waist down to pass their kidney stone. Did you say three millimeters? I would like to get numb from the waist down for that. Okay, but three yeah. millimeters is what we're talking about. Do we need to talk three. about how, how big a baby is? I mean, exactly. I don't know how three millimeters can cause that much pain, but then go to seven or eight pounds. Okay? I mean, I couldn't believe the doctor even said that. Thank God there wasn't a woman in the room who had actually given birth. But I was like, dude, you know, we we have no right there. So uh, Yeah, it's just one of those things where you're like, I just don't know. How do we, you know, pain is pain. Pain is relative. But like. How, do we, how are we even comparing them? Like, again, no. like, oh, yeah, they say it's worse than childbirth. It's like, <laughs> just pick another thing. Just be like, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. agony. <laughs> it's worse than getting yeah. shot in the stomach. It's worse yeah. than being stabbed. But like, <laughs> why do we have right. to go back it's, to the childbirth thing? It's so true. It's like when they put so up true. the... Um, when they put up the measurements for sounds in stadium and they're like, this stadium sound is currently louder than a jet engine or louder than yeah. something, like a plane taking off. Yeah. We need a different version of that for the we kidney do. stone metric because we're going to go ahead and take childbirth and we're going to set it off to the side over yeah. here. It's no longer part of the applause meter when it comes to pain, even for something as severe as a kidney stone. So if you're watching the Emmett Smith interview today and you're wondering, wow, Mike Golick Sr. seems like he should be there with a guy that he wants played yeah. against my father was doubled over in pain in a hospital with a morphine drip trying to make sure that the little stone in his tummy didn't cause any more damage and now i find out that this is hereditary and this is apparently yeah. something that i've got to look forward to yes. So thanks for this i got male pattern baldness from my mom's side of the family and now i'm getting <laughs> kidney stones from your side of the family i don't know what kind of weird karma i got from the past but the chickens are coming home to roost bobby boucher let me tell you what I did. I'm not going to lie. I chuckled when I said, yeah, you know, my brother Greg gets them and he goes, oh, yeah, they're hereditary. I immediately thought of all you and, and Jake and Sydney. And just I'm not going to lie. I chuckled to myself. Not that I wish the pain on you, but, you know, nowadays, you know, you get drugs for it. You pass it and you're fine. This isn't a life threatening thing. So there was a, a part of me that chuckled uh, a little bit, waiting to waiting to hear, oh, my God, my back hurts. I can't move. And I'm just going to go. Yeah, you well, got a kidney stone. You're Jake, welcome. <laughs> Jake didn't get the male pattern baldness. So maybe the maybe the kidney stones will skip you, Gojo. And, well, and Jake, Jake oh God, is, get them. Yeah, Jake's fighting the good Jake's fight on that front kinda, here. He's kind of lean in that way. But I, I am bummed I missed uh, Emmett, though. I mean, that was right in the suite. I tried. I tried to come home, and I tried to wait to, to do it, to do the interview. And then I was going to go to the emergency room. And I swear I was just on my hands and knees on the floor. And your mother's like, we, we got to, you, you can't do an interview like this. So, you know, we got to go. So I'm bummed because Emmett, I can't wait to hear that. Emmett's such a good dude. And we've been friends for a long time. One of the hardest, hardest running backs uh, I have ever, ever played against. So I look forward to that. We'll hear if he ever almost did an interview while passing a kidney stone and find out how tough the guy really is. <laughs> uh, that being said, uh, let's speaking of medical marvels and things of that nature, let's get to three for Thursday. We want to hit a few NFL topics. And really, this is like bacon wrapping one for Thursday because we got to have the Aaron Rodgers conversation. Yeah. We've done Aaron Rodgers watch every week on this show for the last God knows how many weeks. And now I've gotten to the point where Aaron Rodgers, Jesse apparently is back actually doing this. So what do we got? Yeah, guys, we we've opened the 21 day practice window for Aaron Rodgers. Unbelievable stuff here. I told you this was going to happen. You guys were like, it's not going to happen. Here he is. <laughs> All right. I've said this the whole time. This man is proving a point. He will be back on this field. You guys were like, there's no way. There's no way. The Jets suck. Guess what? 21 day practice window is open. So let's hear what Robert Sala had to say about the whole thing. Like a lot of guys coming off, uh, they're usually not ready to play football. There's still a little bit of uh, um, health concern there. And uh, so, you know, you use these 21-day windows to see where they're at. So we're so far away from that. But um, like I said, the mindset for this is more of a progression uh, in his rehab. And like I said, he's been cleared for functional football activity. He's not cleared to fully play football. And, um, you know, it's, uh, so it's, like I said, part of his rehab progression. Okay, and obviously, you know, it's not like the Jets are doing 
is so well that it's like, oh, God, if we get Aaron Rodgers back, like, you know, here we go. But Rodgers likes to go on Pat McAfee and talk about how he's feeling and everything. So let's just hear from him and see what he had to say about his whole situation. Well, I think it's it's always been uh, first, am I healthy? And then uh, are we alive? Are we in it? Are we playing uh, good enough to make a run? Can I step in and, and protect myself and play at the level that I feel like I'm capable of playing? Guys, I swear to God, this man is going to play in a football game this year. To prove oh, a point. Jesse. To prove Jesse. a point. No, there's... You just heard him say the quiet part out loud there. He get this is the perfect sweet spot for Aaron Rodgers right now yep. because we are all going to ooh it ah at how impressive this is. And it is. We've talked about it. The mindset that it took to get here, the dedication that it took to get here, all of these things incredibly worthy of praise in this process. And now back on the field wearing the red practice jersey, we get all these shots of him like we were getting before the game and he gets to say I did what you guys told me modern medicine wasn't capable of. And then now that they go through this evaluation period, they're going to sit back and look at the four and seven Jets whose offensive line struggled all year and go, nope. And then he's going to go promptly back to working out and getting ready for the offseason. Dad, I don't know if you see it any different, uh, but this seems like the perfect sweet spot win for Aaron. What 100% agree. Jesse, to your point, she has done it. And, and, and so let's, let's, Focus on that and tunnel in on that and say what he's done has been incredible. All right, I think the last time we talked about something this amazing was Adrian Peterson coming back from an ACL in like seven months. And it like yep. made everybody go, God, can everybody do this? No, everybody can't do <laughs> no. it. Every, everybody heals at a different rate. And, and Aaron Rodgers put every possible thing he could into it. And that doesn't mean others don't as well, but some heal better. There's the, the, the different surgery now for the Achilles. And he did have something to say for those that are saying he didn't, ha didn't have a tear in his Achilles at all that I really can't Billy. say on this program. Um, so what he has done to put himself in this position is nothing short of amazing. Mod between modern technology of how we, how, how we treat this injury and then his attacking the rehab the way he did. It is 11 weeks after surgery, 11 weeks, and he's out there on that field doing that. He's in the 21-day window. Okay, that said, Aaron, incredible what you have done. I mean, mind-blowing what you have done. There is no way, no way he's getting on that field. Zero. If I were the Jets, I would hide every available extra helmet there is so he can't get on the field. There is zero need for him to get on the field. A, because this team is not in it. They're 4-7 and seven and going the wrong way. They have a game against Atlanta who is leading their division right now. We'll see what happens in it. But th th this shouldn't be if there's a minuscule part of a chance. This should be is if we are well on our way into the playoffs and we are going to be in the postseason and we are looking like a good team. They are not. That he has proven every so many people wrong who doubted him already just by the video we saw yesterday on the field. Absolutely incredible. I would not let him anywhere near live action until next September. He is going to step onto this field for a. I pr he's a lunatic. He's crazy. He's trying to <laughs> prove a point. He is. Yes. He believes that he can. His mind can transcend medicine. He believes that his mind can make his body just do things. I swear to God, this man is going to play a, a snap of a football game. If he goes out there I, I, for one snap, he's going to do it. I do agree with your point that Aaron Rodgers is absolutely trying to prove a point with this. Yes. I think there's yes. no doubt about that. I think we're probably going to end up hearing more about that than we'd like to at some point. But part of me says, listen, at this point, given what's gone on, like every athlete that you have talked to, every person that you've talked to that's been around sports and seen this kind of injury is looking up at this going, there's just no way. It's like seeing the boogeyman yeah. right now yep. walk back in. It's that meme, how are you still alive? Like God giving his toughest battle to Aaron's Achilles, his strongest soldier apparently. So I, I, I still at the end of the day thing, and you kind of heard Rob Sala talk about it there, the things that he's doing in practice are so far from live game speed. And again, yes. it's three weeks' yeah. time. His doctor's monitoring this from the West Coast. He's back out now in New York full-time with the team, and so he's going to be doing more of this. This is just an extension of the rehab process. Uh, but I just think, like, 
again, barring an unforeseen run from the Jets where all of a sudden they're knocking on the door of the AFC playoff picture, and at 4-7, and seven, I, I just don't really see how that's possible given the other teams they'd be going up against in this. No, you're Four making seven a lot play- of sense. You're, you're making yeah. sense. You're saying yeah. things that make sense. I'm just telling you. See, he, he wants, and Jesse, I agree with you, he wants to, but ultimately it's going to be the team's decision. Now, is he adamant? Is he going to say, I don't want to play here next year if you don't let me go out and play a series? I doubt it gets to that. I think it, ultimately it's going to be up to the team and say, what you've done is miraculous, but you're not going out there. And, and uh, would it end, Mike, the discussion if they lose to Atlanta this week? Atlanta, you know, leading the, the NFC South right now. The worst part of the Jets' defense, you know, one of the Jets' players saying we're going to have a historic defense. Unfortunately, the Atlanta defense by yards is, is statistically higher than the Jets defense and the worst part of the Jets defense is they give up 140 yards on the ground that's one of the worst in the league and you got the two-headed monster of Algier and Bijan Robinson who they need to start letting touch the ball even more uh, than they have so this could be tough against that Jet defense and we know the Jet offense uh, isn't very good at all so this could end everything you're four and eight I mean that's got to end the discussion. Now, I know you have time. He's got the 21-day window, so he still has a couple of more weeks, but I got to believe this this could be the last nail in the coffin for him. The Jets are not making the playoffs. I can say that very comfortably right now. Sign, seal, and deliver that. And so, if the Jets are not making the playoffs, I still don't think that. And listen, maybe they'll put this on the rip for Aaron Rodgers when he finally gets back out on the field and they can run the supercut of all the gas bags being wrong. And Jesse can have her moment in the sun where she points and reminds us that we're trying to judge a person whose motivation we cannot clearly define. It's like the gem thief or whatever from The Dark Knight Rises. So... Uh, I know this is supposed to be three for Thursday. We're probably only going to get to two for ter- Thursday. Yep. So, uh, Jesse, we have uh, angry Brandon Staley. Is that the other thing we're supposed to get to in this? Yeah, another 4-17 and 17 Chargers in the basement of the AFC West here. Tensions really boiling over. Brandon Staley is getting testy re- reporters once again. So he had some back and forth with them about the Quinton Johnson rib injury. Saying, like, you know, why he's not returning him. It's not because of a lack of confidence. It's not because of any other part of your imagination. It was a rib injury, okay? Your ribs affect how you breathe, okay? He plays a position where you have to reach in order to catch things. So it affects the position. And so he was cleared to go back in the game. But there was apprehension on my part of putting him back in there until he felt good enough. And that is the storyline. So, yeah, um, he's fine. He feels good. He's feeling normal. Uh, So let's discuss this, guys. Is this the end of the line for Brandon Staley? Will he finally be fired if he loses to the lowly Patriots? I certainly think so now. I, I don't think they're going to lose to the Patriots is the complicated part. Like, I think Brandon Staley is going to have going to finish out the season ultimately because there's enough time like this. But, Dad, like, this is honestly kind of refreshing because the response is deeply human. Like, if we were sitting around every week having this existential dread about our future and the job and the organization and you're the subject of sports talk media all the time, this is probably how most of us would act. This is a high-stress environment already with what you do with the job. And Brandon Staley is responding the way 99% of humans would. Like, the response we get from most athletes and coaches who are able to see and withstand all of this from the outside and somehow go forward is superhuman we need to appreciate that more because this is far more the response that we should get and at least in this case it's in defense of one of his players like I do appreciate and I'm sure his locker room does him going to bat for one of their rookies who's no doubt struggled this year and had to deal with the comparison to guys like Zay Flowers who got picked to pick before him in the draft so I actually appreciate where this comes from in defense of one of their young guys yeah I mean a locker room always appreciates when a coach, whether it's a head coach or another coach being interviewed, you know, backs their player or gives a reason that supports the player, has nothing to do with the play. It's injuries trying to protect him. He's got to stretch up for a ball and it's a rib injury. So I get all that. But I mean, he just he just seems like he's getting close to the end of his rope too, uh, dealing with all this. I mean, because everybody is just kind of firing at it. Even Tony Romo. Did you hear what Tony Romo said on the broadcast? I did. Tony know. Romo said Tony Romo said, I could, at least this is what, what I saw, that he could call the game call the game, and still call plays better than the plays that are being called by the Chargers out there. I mean, it, it was, it, it's, it's been rough. Uh, and I think all, everybody believes it's going to be the end and we keep wondering, is it going to be during the season or not? But 
As, as we've always said, we never would call for anybody's head. It's not like we enjoy talking about it. But as we've also said, four to seven jobs are available every year in the NFL. That's how it works. And it seems this is going to be one of those jobs. And I do think it'll be a very a job that's very appealing to a coach because of the quarterback and the potential that you have as opposed to some of the other jobs that are going to be available. Yeah, I don't think they're going to lose the Patriots either. Uh, Malik Cunningham uh, has, has taken some snaps behind Bailey Zappi. Now, I'd love to see Malik Cunningham go out there and see what he can do. How about they also auditioned five kickers after their kicker last week uh, yeah. missed, a, who was it, Chad Ryland, missed that, uh, missed that field goal to tie the game. So five Five kickers uh, that, that they audition. So it's it's it, you want to talk as bad in San Diego or, or Los Angeles, even uglier, obviously in New England. Yeah, I think your point about the the sexiness of that job come this offseason, we know already the Raiders have made a change, the Panthers have made a change, and if the Chargers do, that instantly vaults to the top of that because yeah. you're walked in and handed immediately one of the premier yep. talents at the quarterback position in the NFL, and no disrespect to Bryce Young, who's got potential, potential and reality, two very different things still. Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits, just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is going to benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed Scientific Board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome and with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic Research, development, and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust. And it's great in convenience, too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently, just like any other routine health habit. And Seed subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine, again, with no refrigeration required. So, trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash gojo and use code 25gojo to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1. SO1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo, code 25gojo. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Gojo and Golick. Riley Leonard, Duke quarterback, has entered the portal on Wednesday, the transfer portal. And guys, immediately became one of the most talented QBs available in the transfer market. Now, he only played in seven games this season, missing time because of that toe injury. But he's going to be one of the most sought-after QBs in the country. However, based on these comments by Matt Rule, Nebraska may not be one of his suitors. A good quarterback in the portal costs, you know, a million to a million five to two million dollars right now. So just 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 on the same page, right? So um, <laughs> let's make sure we all understand what's happening. So um, um, you know, there's some teams that have six six or seven million dollar players playing for them. So um, you know, we're 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 uh, we just kind of believe in we just kind of believe in doing things like the old school way, the hard way, building. But that doesn't mean we won't look at people in the portal. It mean, it's just we did it last year, right? It just means um, they have to be clearly an impact player for us if they're like a one-year player, or they have to be someone that has multiple years to get in our program and develop. Guys, there's a rumor that Notre Dame could be a possible destination. Yeah, we will uh, We will get to that as the potential for yeah. the Notre Dame ACC pipeline uh, grows uh, with Riley Leonard's name in addition to the portal. And I, I, you know what? I'm curious for the reception of that, right? Because, Dad, this is a different time where now it feels like we've got pseudo-free agency at the end of a lot of these college football seasons. And I do wonder for Nebraska fans what the reaction is to hearing that from their head coach and Matt Rule, who I have a lot of respect for, who at the college level has done a lot in building and revitalizing programs like Temple and Baylor. But when you hear something like that, 
I think that used to be a good sell to fan bases, that old school mentality of, hey, we're going to build this thing the right way and we want to bring our guys and we want multiple recruiting cycles to develop the high school guys here versus what fans see now, which is how quickly you can jumpstart a program if you're willing to go out there and play ball at that position. And so what that sounded like, Dad, was, hey, we're not going to be in the bidding war market for these high-end college quarterbacks, I wonder how that's received by Nebraska fans right now and for other teams that might be looking at the landscape and opting out to some extent, saying, we're not going to be players on that level of this spending seven figures on a college quarterback when we believe we can go in high school and develop our guy. Well, I think I think two things. I think you can do it both ways, but the, but the way Matt, Matt Rule's saying that, and if that's your belief... And you can still build a team that way. My thought is, welcome to the middle or lower part of the pack. That, that's where you're going to be, right? I mean, the, the landscape has changed, and you have to change with it. And also, and, and I don't know, I wasn't there, but we always know head coaches have, a, have an agenda when they're at the microphone. Was that yeah. also a, a, hey, we need our alumni to step up with the collective. We, we need more money. You know, we, we can't compete unless we can start paying these guys. Was that part of what he was – and again, I don't know, but I, as, I, as we've all said and we all know, coaches have an agenda when they're up there. I don't know what their collective is. I don't know the money that they have. I don't know how they're spending it. But this is the landscape we're in now. So if you want to compete at the highest level, you still have to recruit. It's the bloodline of everything. But as we have talked to coaches – we have now heard it could be it used to be 24 25 high school seniors now it's like can be like 12 and 12 it's where we are whether it's a guy coming in for one year from the portal or like matt said multiple years of the portal that's where the recruiting is now and i've heard coaches talk at, at different high school places and say you, n- listen not as many of you are going to get scholarships you're just not because there are proven players on the field who want to transfer yep. to a different school that we're going to take over you because they have proven they can play already and their their instant um, experience on the field so this is where we are right now so I guess that makes me wonder and listen Nebraska is a, a phenomenal school you would think that there would be the collective there. Maybe it is there, and they're just choosing not to spend, which in today's world I think is a bit of a mistake. Or, as I said, that was kind of a, hey, we need money if we want to compete. And, you know, and because that's interesting, we've seen some coaches be way less coy about that who have basically gotten yeah. up and said, hey, if you want us to be able to compete with a lot of these other teams, especially teams that play in the SEC or the Big Ten, we need right. you to give more. We need a war chest to be able to go out here and right. buy some of the players that we've got on the market right now. And so there could absolutely be some of that because, again, I, I just – in the interest of always measuring the temperature of your fan base and trying to build momentum around the program, it does seem like something that sort of lands with a dull thud when you hear, we're not going to do that. Just so you're clear, this is how much a quarterback costs, and it does not sound like Nebraska. And maybe it's just this current class of quarterbacks because he mentioned it's got to be someone that comes in as an instant impact player. There's got to be stuff that makes sense to the Notre Dame and Riley Leonard rumors that we heard about yesterday with pretty much every major reporting outlet I saw said Keep an eye on Notre Dame here. I believe Riley Leonard entered the transfer portal with the do not contact designation, basically meaning that he already felt like he had right. a home looking, you know, a place that he was looking at as far as a next home. And Dad, it makes sense, right? Two academic schools. I always said the nerd schools kind of stick together. For Notre Dame in a football sense, you've got a couple of players currently on the roster. Steve Angeli was the direct backup this right. last year. But you're looking at a void of talent, or it's, I should say a lack of depth and certainly veteran right. depth there. And so at the very least, bringing in Riley Leonard, if you want to frame it, because remember, Sam Hartman was framed as a competition last year with Tyler Buckner, who had only played a handful of games in his Notre Dame career before going into that spe- spring competing against Sam. But he's a more mobile quarterback who behind Notre Dame offensive line that's going to lose its best offensive lineman and best running back certainly can help everybody involved. There's a number of things that seem to fit well in that situation, Dad, that maybe you can't fully discount in this current bidding war and marketplace for college players. You've still got to believe that that person's a right fit for your team. Yeah, you do. And I'm kind of intrigued with Steve Angeli and what he can do. I I like his arm. Um, 
so we'll see. I, I, I'd like to ask you about Riley Leonard. Listen, Duke was having a year. They played Notre Dame. They lost to Notre Dame. I mean, right at the end of the game, uh, Riley Leonard hurt his ankle and missed a couple of games. Then he hurt his toe and missed games. Only played seven games. So really, if you want to look at the full year, go the year before that, uh, where he completed, what, about 64% of his passes, 20 touchdowns, six interceptions. But he also ran for 13 touchdowns. This dude is like a running back that you want to be able to throw. I wonder where our passing attack, Notre Dame's passing attack, will go. It started out well with Sam, and then it certainly hit some dry spells. Notre Dame has had two wide receivers, Chris Tyree and Tobias Merriweather, already an, uh, enter the transfer portal. Their wide receiver coach at Notre Dame has been let go. So there's there's some some you know things going on in flux at that wide receiver position for the passing game for Notre Dame. We know they always have an excellent running game, but you'd love to mix in a passing game there and. Can Riley Leonard be that guy? We know he can run. We know we'll get in the end zone running the ball. But can he be that passing threat that Notre Dame needs as well? I think he can because when you got a quarterback who can affect the game with his legs, everything becomes easier. Ground game becomes easier. Passing game becomes easier. He was the secret sauce for everything that Duke did in that offense. And you mentioned they were inches away from beating Notre Dame in that yep. game. They were, until Riley Leonard got hurt, even playing on a beat-up ankle against Florida State, very close and beating Florida State right. for a lot of that game and looking like they were in the driver's seat for that one. And the receiving core at Duke had some good veteran players in it, but by no means the highest end talent. I think Notre Dame's got a portal at receiver this year. I think you've got some promising young guys that showed up this year. Jaden Greathouse, Rico Flores, a bunch of those dudes. But you've got to portal some veteran experience in there. And that goes back to the overall message of this, Dad, going back. Because I think, yeah, Riley Leonard can be a really strong fit for Notre Dame. Phenomenal athlete, very good quarterback right now. Basketball athlete, all those things. And so as he continues to develop and get older, I I think that can help the passing attack and I think the passing attack can help continue to develop him but I think this all is about to the message it sends right Notre Dame fans saw that yesterday and went all right we're trying we're going out there and we're trying to do right. something it gives you hope for the next year and I do wonder for programs that hear that for kind of comment and I'm not doing this as an indictment of Matt Rule or Nebraska I think better days are ahead with him there but as far as motivating your fan base motivating your donor base and hearing yeah that's what a quarterback costs and then this tepid endorsement that sounds like yep. we're not going to go there how is that received by a fan base kind of like we talk about owners being willing to spend in pro sports dad are you willing to show fans that you're trying Are you in it? And the landscape has unbelievably changed. Are you all the way in it? If not, good luck. It's going to be a struggle. And everybody gets to make that choice right now. We're going to see more and more teams make that clear publicly soon. Sound the trumpets. It's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIC. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DKHorse.com. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik, everybody. College football conference championships will be decided this weekend, okay? And as we've been digging around on the DK Sportsbook, one of the most fascinating markets that we have found is Iowa's team totals in the Big Ten championship game versus Michigan. This is pretty hysterical. The Hawkeyes team total for the first half is listed at .5. Now their second half total is up to a whopping Two and a half. You heard that right. Their over-under is basically one point for both halves, guys. Michigan leads the nation, allowing just 10.3 points per game. But the books are not confident enough in Iowa for them to get a field goal each half. So, I mean, here's Iowa head coach about trying to keep the game close going into the fourth quarter against Michigan this weekend. 
Part of it is that's out of necessity because we don't get way ahead too often. <laughs> it doesn't happen much. <laughs> it's just kind of the way it's been for, you know, 25 plus nine years. And then, um, you know, so, and that, that that's the beauty of football. But the challenge this week is going to be to get it in that fourth quarter, you know, where it is competitive. And uh, at least we've had experience at that. And that may be one of their downsides. They haven't had a lot of that experience. Uh, although, you know, obviously the last three weeks they've been in some pretty good ball games too. So, uh, but they've got a lot of them where they just, you know, hit the gas and went. And, you know, if you don't have a respect for their ability and their talent and the way they play, uh, that can happen to you real fast. So the first thing we have to do is try to get it to the fourth quarter and then we have to find out a way to win it. Coach Kirk's, you know, just not sugarcoating things out here. Uh, guys, can oh. Iowa score any points against this Michigan defense? Oh. What do we think? The books don't think so. Uh, see, you guys are thinking about it the wrong way. Iowa is not going to score points against the Michigan defense, but Mich Iowa's defense can absolutely score you some points here. Lest we not forget, the Iowa touchdown is two f is uh, two safeties and a field goal. So that is absolutely possible in this game. And if you're just looking to get over one point, I do believe that the defense is capable of that. But, Dad, we've been no reason to believe an offense that's already on its backup quarterback, who's a certified hoss that I love watching play, but is not necessarily equipped to go out there and score points against this defense. So this can be a struggle. <clears throat> yeah, they, they have had 12 interceptions, that, that defense. Uh, I, uh, no, no, I'm sorry. Um, uh, it, I, I agree. That's their only shot, Iowa, is, is their defensive side of the ball. And... I have never seen totals that low for each half to not even say they can get a field goal. That absolutely blows my mind. And unfortunately, I probably agree with it. it, it it's, it's tough to say as long as, as you mentioned, the defense doesn't get involved for Iowa and they can keep them at bay a little bit. I'm, I'm trying to see really quick. They have, what, 10 interceptions and they have, they have uh, recovered, I think, five or six fumbles. So yeah. that's what you have to rely on here. But you're going to get a heavy dose of Corm, the running back who has like, you know, 900 rushing touchdowns this year. Uh, they're just going to control. This could be an unbelievably fast game. Because I think Michigan is just going to hammer, 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 hammer. That's what they do. And I'll give Iowa the, the enough to say I think they can get a field goal out of this. I think maybe a turnover can switch the field. That's what you're looking for is field position so that offense doesn't have to go a long way to put points on the board. Or like you said, their defense actually getting a pick six or scoop and score, something like that. But, but this, this is every bit the 22-23 point spread that we see. Yeah, this game is going to get put off to the side on what's an otherwise very exciting yes. weekend of conference championship games. And it's interesting because this game is the polar opposite of what we've had all year in college football. Dad, I don't know if you saw this note yesterday. Michael Mulvahill, the inside analytics guy over at Fox Sports, put out the tweet yesterday that across college football, the 2023 regular season was the most watched of all time across all networks. 151.9 yep. billion minutes of viewing with army navy still to add a little bit more to that total as a technical regular season game and dad i'm curious for your thoughts on this because i was thinking yesterday and got asked a lot yesterday about why we think that was the case this year for college football and what it means for the sport going forward because i look at the why for this year like why do we get this this year it's a combination of a few things one i think football at any level is always easiest to sell when you've got quarterbacks to sell and i think when you looked across the sport this year we've talked about the depth of quarterback talent at this level it's not to say that they're all going to be nfl stars but we looked out in the pac-12 and we saw bo nicks and caleb Williams, the defending Heisman Trophy winner, and Michael Penix Jr., and even going to DJ Uyangalale at Oregon State. You had dudes out there. We just talked about Riley Leonard potentially transferring to Notre Dame, trying to succeed Sam Hartman and all the joy around South Bend, the fact that they had a name brand value quarterback at that position for the first time in a long time. And, you know, hubba hubba, having a quarterback that was pretty easy on the yeah. eyes for a lot of people wearing the gold helmet. But it did a lot for that. Like, I think part of the reason you're getting a guy like Riley Leonard looking at Notre Dame now 
on the fact that Notre Dame is a viable transfer destination is because you saw proof of concept. Look at how popular Sam Hartman, the brand, became in addition to the quarterback being able to have success. So you had that there. You had other name brands around the country. Jaden Daniels and what he's done at LSU. Jalen Milrose rise during this season. You had that in conjunction, Dad, with I think you hitting home runs on all the big games by and large on your schedule yeah. this fall. Think about going back early in the season. Texas and Alabama earlier in the year hit a home run. Notre Dame and Ohio State coming right down to the wire with plenty of juicy high stakes drama there. Washington and Oregon. Everywhere you looked, the big games that we had circled on the calendar preseason actually delivered. And so I think that combination of quarterbacks and big brand names hitting in all the games you were looking for created the perfect storm for this. And it's the perfect springboard into the world of college football that TV executives are trying to build, quite honestly. While I, I agree with everything you said, I also will say football always gets the benefit of the doubt. Always. Because it's the most popular sport out there. Look at the NFL. I think going into last weekend, we had 50 different quarterbacks start a game. 50. So you even had some of the you know top, not Patrick Mahomes, but some, of the, some top quarterbacks out. We've seen backups. We've seen third stringers. If Joe Flacco gets into Cleveland, that'll be four starters they've had. And it's still watched. And I think college football will always be watched. And it can add to it when you add name value of school, when you add quarterback. I get it. But I think it's always going to be turned on. And it's always going to be watched. But I agree. But to this height, like the reason it's going above and beyond, like to your point, I wouldn't be surprised if some NFL ratings relative to their own monstrous success were a little down. I heard the guys on Levitard talking about it, and I was the same way this past weekend. I didn't watch the Red Zone channel during the one o'clock window. I turned on Jags Texans and I just hung out with that one because the rest of it was backup quarterbacks going into games where they weren't going to win and guys that were just getting their first start that week. And it took a lot of the juice out of a lot of those matchups. And so conversely in college football, I think you didn't also have a dominant team this year, which I think helped. It didn't feel like there was one final big bad boss that everybody was worried about. And so you had more good teams deeper longer than ever before. And I think all of that relative to what we see in the NFL with the backup quarterback grinder is a reason why, yes, it's normally very watched, but this year went above and beyond. Yeah, and I'll be interested in the NFL ratings because I think they're still going to be just as good because it's football. Uh, and college, I mean, remember remember when, when NIL started and the portal was going crazy? Everybody said, oh, college football is changing. It's, it's never going to be what it was. And you're right. It's better. It's better. It's being watched by more people. It's not going to be affected. And it goes to the 12-team playoff. I'm sorry, it's not going to be affected. It's still going to be watched. Now, will an Ohio State and Michigan game be different? We had Cardell Jones, a former quarterback of Ohio State. He is worried about the magnitude of that because now we've gone to the fact that we make it Ohio State-Michigan to possibly three times in a year instead of just the one so the magnitude of some games could be down but i think they're still going to be watched and it'd be very very difficult to dent college or the nfl football as far as spectators so this has been talked about as the perfect springboard year into the 12 team playoff because you had so many teams good for so long we talked about at certain points there were more teams that were undefeated at that point in the season than any time even going back to the bcs era but dad this is also the year that tv executives are going this is exactly why we've seen the pac-12 broken up why the big 10 and the sec are glutting all of these talented brand names because all of the changes that you mentioned all the watchability that's about the casual eyeball the true died hard fan is going to suffer with some of these regional rivalries going away with Ohio State Michigan being played potentially three times during the course of the season it's not good for the health of the sport in that way for the diehards but the people making these decisions have never cared about the diehards it's been about can we get a mass amount of eyeballs on this and as we saw this season big brand name helmets together for games that are close because of some of the talent jockeying around in the portal created the kind of numbers that have driven all of the decision making around the sport lately Gojo and Golik. We are only 12 weeks through their first NFL seasons, but there's been a drastic difference in success between C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. And it's already led people to ask the Young versus Stroud question, who was the better pick? Okay. And Panthers owner David Tepper threw fuel on that fire 
by firing Frank Reich after just 11 games. But Tepper says he stands by Carolina's decision to go young over Stroud. All those decisions, um, you know, whether it was a head coach, whether it was Bryce, I don't really vote on those decisions until the last piece. Okay, so those decisions are made by, you know, in the case of the, by the football people. And in the case of Bryce, it was almost, I believe it was a unanimous decision on the coaches and the, and the scouts and very strong opinions at the time. We are totally confident in that pick. Okay, I think the people that made that pick first, um, you know, would be totally confident in that. Um, you know, some of them you could ask. Okay. Um, and I think the, um, and, and for me, I'm totally confident in agreeing with that pick. Guys, is it too early to make an assessment on this or is it kind of like, okay, David Tepper? Well, the thing that was missing in that also was that he said originally they thought they were going to trade up to two and take C.J. Stroud there because they thought Houston was going to take Bryce Young at number one in that spot, which was the thing, the comment that launched a thousand ships in this dad. Right. Him introducing the idea that, oh yeah, we thought we were going to get C.J. Stroud if we moved up to two because we thought Bryce Young was going to be taken at number one, which can read like a compliment in a certain way that, yeah, he was always right. your guy. But uh, I, 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 but that you always thought Bryce Young was going to be the number one pick. But just even saying the name in conjunction with the quarterback that he's going to be forever compared to, and right now in not a great way, Dad, it just felt like a drastic overshare from a guy in David Tepper who cannot seem to not insert himself in the situation. Well. I mean, you know how that's going to work. You're going to back the guy you picked. I mean, what was he going to do? Come out and say, no, this wasn't the guy we wanted? Oh, no, I'm saying he backed him, but he also kind of inadvertently said that, yeah, we thought we were going to get C.J. Stroud if we were picking it, too. And I, right. I don't know, between that and all the thirst videos from back in the day at Stroud's Pro Day of Frank Reich and the quarterback coach both talking to C.J. like he was going to be in town, I, I don't know, that part of it to me just seemed a little bit unnecessary. I love how he says you can ask some of them, meaning you can't ask Frank Reich, but you can ask Scott Fitterer, our GM, who is, is going to back, you know, Bryce Young as well. Listen, it, at the end of the day, it's too early, right? It's too early to tell. C.J. Stroud is having a much better year, without question. We went over yesterday their different weapons that they, that they both have. Uh, Stroud as uh, I mean, Bryce Young has struggled. It, it, it's, he looks fidgety. In the pocket, he's been sacked more times, 40 times to 26. Now, when you're a young quarterback, you hold on to the ball because in college, where you'd have a little more wide-open receivers when you're playing at the big-time schools, you can get rid of the ball a little easier knowing your window's a little bigger. That shrinks a lot in the NFL, and, and, and a split second of hesitation is going to end up being a sack a lot of times. But I still think it's, it's too early to tell. So let's wait and see who the next coach is going to be. Uh, because that's what you're hiring now. You're hiring a coach to develop your young quarterback. That's, that's the only thing that should be on the mind of whoever is going to hire, and it ends with Tepper, we know that, um, of who you're going to hire. It's got to be about uh, the progression of, of, uh, of Bryce Young. And that's what's going to be interesting to me, Mike, because we know the jobs that are going to be available. We already have the Raiders. We have Carolina. Everybody thinks the Chargers. Will Washington be available? Is Belichick going to be done uh, in New England and go somewhere else? What's the, the two things you look at if you're a potential coach? Owner and quarterback, right? I mean, that's what you look at. And right now, when you're looking at you know, a young quarterback, okay, I can develop him. But the owner, I'm not too ecstatic about. You know, for as quickly as he pulls the trigger on something and the lack of patience that he has, that will make it interesting on who they're going to get. If it's going to be a, a seasoned veteran coach who maybe has choices, I don't know if Carolina is going to be one of the top choices, in all honesty. I mean, I would think if it's a young coach that's on the come-up who's got options and choices, see Ben Johnson, who they talked about in Detroit, Yes, that's the one I'd think. Why would you yes. go here and waste one of your first opportunities yep. on trying to be a head coach in an organization that's proved infertile grounds, unstable land? That's what the Carolina Panthers look like right now. They don't have a first-round pick next year because of what they did trading in the draft last year to help get Bryce Young. And so, yeah, there's not a lot of appeal there, Dad. And it seems like this organization is well on their way to screwing up a really good quarterback that we saw coming out of college. Because whatever people want to say now in revisionist history, the delta between C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young is not this. 
Like, they are not that. No. Like, C.J. Stroud is a great talent and physically might have a few more things in the arsenal than Bryce did, but they're not this far apart as players and no. never have been, which is your reminder that most of the time in the NFL when your quarterback fails as a first-rounder in the team – it's more on the team because you look around at Bryce Young and dad, even if you get a competent coach in there, you're really going to have to do some overhauling and nail some young draft picks at wide receiver, but you got wide receiver that you got to fix because you got no one getting open and you got offensive line that you got to fix because guys aren't getting blocked up front and he's being pressured at an unholy rate right now. And to your point about some of the things he's done as a player, those are bad habits that I think are just as much a result of your environment as anything else and how you go in and rewire from this point because extremely difficult we're watching right now Justin Fields there's still flashes of talent in Chicago but he's been through multiple coaching staffs at this point and he's had to learn on a fly with an offense that's just now getting weapons and protection that are suitable for an NFL quarterback and all of that means the systems are failing these quarterbacks once again I, I think what people also have to realize is is what some get caught up in they say well wait a minute uh, look what look what Stroud is doing this team is in playoff contention. This is an exception, not the rule. <laughs> Normally, when you get a quarterback going that high, it's a bad team, and that team will struggle. Now, maybe one win, okay, maybe that's struggling more than you think. But still, for the most part, that team is going to struggle probably still for a couple of years as you're building around that quarterback. But a lot of times, owners get impatient, and we may have the most impatient one in Carolina when they say, well, they're doing it. They're doing it in Houston, not with a rookie head coach you know, and a rookie quarterback. Why can't we be doing that? And that can be fool's gold. Again, that's the exception, not the rule. The rule is, at the top, a quarterback gets picked and goes on a bad team, and there are growing pains depending on how long it takes you to build around that quarterback. And you're seeing more the norm in Carolina of the growing pains of what actually happens when you take a quarterback that high. Just the same thing that will happen when Caleb Williams goes number one out of SC, and I do believe he's well, going to come out and go number one. Uh, I do not think he's going back. I know we'll have that discussion. I think he's going to come out in the draft, and he'll go to a team, whether it's the Bears, whether it's maybe Arizona, if they're going to take a quarterback – and, and that team will struggle for a bit. Well, I see, this is what I was going to say is it's hard to see a light at the end of the tunnel for the Carolina Panthers. Based on the last few weeks with Chicago, it's starting to get a little bit easier because you look at, hey, what are the, some of the differences in the C.J. Stroud-Bryce Young situation? Protection's one of them. And right now, yep. the Chicago Bears offensive line over this stretch starting to look like it's coming together. The Darnell Wright pick looks good. If you can keep Kev Tevin Jenkins yep. healthy, he's played really good football. Like I watched a lot of that Vikings game against the pressure packages from Brian Flores and said at the beginning, all right, Justin Fields, some good response to pressure, but also... Man, the line held up better than I was expected. And now you've got a little bit of talent in the running back room. And you've got DJ Moore who looks like a one at wide receiver right now. And so there are some things that you can afford a rookie quarterback if it's Caleb Williams that you're bringing in there that I think Carolina was not able to provide to Bryce Young in year one. And usually most organizations aren't. The other example I always think of, Dad, is Joe Burrow in Cincinnati who, yeah, wasn't protected at all and had to overcome that. Right. But had the defense on the other side that was accountable and had two wide receivers and T. Higgins and Jamar Chase that were bona fide right. studs. That's exactly right. So it, it begins to, to be the pieces because, as we know, on a quarterback rookie uh, contract, that's when you have the time to spend money and build around. So not only do we have to see what Carolina does with a head coach, but how are they going to build around? As I mentioned, far and away, I think double the catches, Adam Thielen, a 32-year-old wide receiver, is the main guy in Carolina. And I love Adam Thielen. I think he's a heck of a player, but that can't be your main guy. you got to have more than that. So let's see what else they do around Bryce Young because there's no way I'm going to sit there and say, oh, that's a bust pick. You know, that's just not going to work. That's crazy. It's way Way, way, way too early to tell that. Way too early to tell, and I think if you're trying to assign blame in Carolina, you know the one name to do it with. <laughs>